Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. They take care of our air conditioning, and they do a great job. You can visit the website, johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date. By reading Life in Naples, the website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific guest for today's show, including Keith Flaw, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. We'll visit with Dr. Bob McClure. He is the president and CEO of the James Madison Institute. We'll visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government, and uh, former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett, will be joining us as well. It is June the 10th, and on this day in 1752, that's 270 years ago, Benjamin Franklin flew a kite during a thunderstorm and collected ambient electric, electrical charge at a Leyden jar, enabling him to demonstrate the connection between lightning and electricity. He became interested in electricity in the mid-1740s at a time when much was still unknown on the topic and spent almost a decade conducting electrical experiments. He coined a number of terms used today, including battery, conductor, and electrician. He also invented the lightning rod used to protect buildings and ships from lightning. Uh, Franklin was born on January the 17th, 1706 in Boston to a candle and soap maker named Josiah Franklin, who fathered 17 children and his wife, Abiah Folger. Franklin's formal education ended at age 10, and he went to work as an apprentice for his brother James, a printer. In 1723, following a dispute with his brother, Franklin left Boston and ended up in Philadelphia, where he found work as a printer. Following a brief stint as a printer in London, Franklin returned to Philadelphia and became a successful businessman whose publishing uh, ventures included the Pennsylvania Gazette and Poor Richard's Almanac, a collection of homespun proverbs advocating hard work and honesty in order to get ahead. The Almanac, which Franklin first published in 1733 under the pen name Richard Saunders, included such wisdom as, Early to bed, early to rise makes a man healthy, wealthy, and wise. Whether or not Franklin followed the advice in his own life, he became to represent the classic American overachiever. In addition to his accomplishments in business and science, he's noted for his numerous civic contributions. Among other things, he developed a library, insurance company, city hospital, and academy in Philadelphia that would later become the University of Pennsylvania. Most significantly, Franklin was one of the founding fathers of the United States and had a career as a statesman that spanned four decades. He served as a legislator in Pennsylvania as well as a diplomat in England and France. He's the only politician to assign all four documents fundamental to the creation of the United States, the Declaration of Independence, the Treaty of Alliance with France, the Treaty of Paris, which established peace with Great Britain, and the U.S. Constitution. He died at a ripe old age of 84 on April the 17th, 1790, in Philadelphia, and he remains one of the leading figures in U.S. history. Now, just think of that. Formal education ended at age 10, one of 17 children, and think of all that he accomplished here in America. Certainly set the trend. By the way, if you haven't read his autobiography, it is absolutely terrific. I think he wrote it uh, to help school young people on virtue and on character, but it's really a terrific read, the autobiography of Benjamin Franklin. 
Well, in an interview with NS MSNBC Wednesday, Dr. Anthony Fauci called attacks against him attacks against science. He even referred to himself in the third person. When you attack Dr. Anthony Fauci, you're attacking science. Can you believe that? He really said that. What is your level of concern that we're going to uh, discredit public health officials to the point of, you know, looking at Russia? They actually have a good vaccine, and none of their citizens will take it because they don't trust their own government, said Chuck Todd. It's very dangerous, Chuck, because a lot of what you're seeing as attacks on me are, quite frankly, area attacks on science. Now, here's the irony. Have you ever seen Dr. Fauci refer to any kind of periodic review or scientific study? I've never, ever seen him refer to scientific studies or uh, any kind of experiments to, to uh, support his claims. He said that everything he spoke about has been based on science from the very beginning, and those attacking him were therefore attacking science itself, because all of the things I spoke about consistently from the very beginning have fundamentally based on science Sometimes those things were inconvenient truths for people, and there was pushback against me, Fauci said. So if you're trying to, you know, get me in a public health official and a, and, a, and a scientist, you're really attacking not only Dr. Anthony Fauci, you're attacking science. And anybody that looks at what, what's going on here clearly sees that. You have to be asleep not to see that. That's what's going on, said Dr. Fauci. He should be in an orange jumpsuit. He should be in prison, in my view. Science and truth are being attacked, Fauci said. Fauci came under fire in recent weeks with the publishing of thousands of emails of his that reveal his saying uh, store-bought masks aren't effective, uh, revealed that evidence has been brought forth early on COVID-19 that may have been engineered, and revealed links between Fauci and the Wuhan Institute of Virology. It's just amazing how much influence he's had. And uh, he said it. We followed it, six-foot distancing, mass, all the whole nine yards. It all came from Dr. Fauci. Not, not that he didn't have the president's support and others, but uh, you know, we were misled in so many different ways. And by the way, where are the therapeutics that we're supposed to have to uh, deal with the coronavirus? We certainly have vaccines, which by the way are experimental, but we have no therapeutics. That's a shame that we should have therapeutics that includes hydroxychloroquine. When, uh, when Fulton, Fulton County, Georgia, poll manager Susie Voiles sorted through a large stack of mail-in ballots last November, she noticed an alarmingly odd pattern of uniformity in the markings for Joseph R. Biden. One after another, the absentee votes contained perfectly filled-in ovals for Biden, except that each of the darkened bubbles featured an identical white void inside in the shape of a tiny crescent indicating they'd been marked with toner ink instead of a pen or pencil. Hmm. Adding to the suspicions, she noted that all of the ballots were printed on different stock paper than the others she had handled as part of the statewide hand recount of the razor-thin November 3rd presidential election, and none was folded or creased as she typically observed in mail-in ballots that had been removed from the envelopes. In short, the Biden votes looked like they'd been duplicated by a copy machine. All of them were strangely pristine, said Voiles, who said she'd never seen anything like it in her 20 years monitoring elections in Fulton County, which includes much of Atlanta. She wasn't alone. At least three, three other poll workers observed the same thing and stacks of absentee ballots for Biden processed by the county, and they'd been joined by Voiles and swearing under penalty of perjury that they looked fake. 
Now election watchdogs have been used their affidavits to help convince a state judge to unseal all of the 147,000 mail-in ballots counted in Fulton and allow a closer inspection of the suspicious Biden ballots for evidence of counterfeiting. They argue that potentially tens of thousands may have been manufactured in a race that Biden won by just 12,000 votes in Fulton County. Thanks to a large surge in mail-in ballots counted after the election monitors were shooed from the State Farm Arena in Atlanta, we have what is almost surely a major absentee ballot fraud in Fulton County involving ten to twenty thousand dollars, uh, ten to twenty thousand probable false ballots," said Garland Favorito, the lead petitioner in the case and certified poll watcher who runs Voter uh, VoterGA.org, one of the leading advocates for election integrity in the state. He said the suspicious ballots. Uh, remain in the custody of uh, public officials and inaccessible from public view. Now, you may recall that uh, they were under guard, 24-hour guard, by the uh, sheriff's office. But uh, they they went off duty. Uh, But you know what? They were uh, uh, power-packed. They were in uh, Toronto, so they weren't inspected or in, in any way changed at all. So the point is that I think they tried to do that in order to reduce the uh, credibility of the uh, count. But in any event, uh, the Superior Court Judge Brian Amaro requested official guards that were uh, at the warehouse around the clock. And these guys uh, took off on Saturday, May the 29th. In any event, this count is going to go on. New security lapse caught the attention of the former president, who has claimed his loss to Biden was marred by fraud. In a statement, he implied election officials in Democrat-controlled county in Fulton are trying to hide evidence of fraud. They are afraid of what might be found, he asserted. I think he's absolutely right about that. So you got uh, Georgia, who's now a judge is taking a look at this evidence. You have Pennsylvania, who's gone down to visit with uh, the uh, Arizona, Maricopa County, to see what's going on. Alaska. You have uh, many, many states who are kind of jumping on board and saying, hey, this looks like a pretty credible process. Maybe we ought to think about our own forensic audit as well. I think the entire country should, uh, every state in the nation should go through an audit of their ballots just to see where we stand with regard to not just this election, but also uh, the integrity of our voting system. Law enforcement officials from dozens of nations across the world executed one of the most sophisticated crime stings in history late on Monday and during the early morning hours on Tuesday, resulting in the arrest of hundreds of criminals around the world. This is an operation by Australian and European police and the U.S. uh, Federal Bureau of Investigation ensnared suspects in Australia, Asia, Europe, South America, and the Middle East involved in a global narcotics trade. Over 800 suspected members of the organized crime gangs were arrested, $148 million cash seized in raids around the world, tons of drugs were also seized, and they did it with the uh, encrypted phones. They made sure that they, had, uh, they distributed these phones, and uh, these, these guys were carrying them around so they knew exactly where they were and what was going on. They were aware even of their most intimate conversations and communications. So uh, the sting was extremely successful. Uh, one quote here, over the last 18 months, the FBI provided criminal organizations with over 300 encrypted devices in 100 countries that allowed us to monitor their communications. That, according to FBI Assistant Director Calvin Shevers, 
Not only have we heard about the number of arrests and the number of seizures, but over 100 threats to life that were mitigated. Interesting. Congratulations. It's nice to see a coordinated uh, effort around the world to round up these criminals, these drugs, and this money. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples, longest established air conditioning company. Visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Keith Law, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Did you know St. Matthew's House operates the only emergency homeless shelters in Collier County? St. Matthew's House provided more than 500,000 hot meals to those in need last year, and since 2010, 527 men and women have graduated from the St. Matthew's House Justin's Place Addiction Recovery Program. For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. And you can help St. Matthew's House in this life-transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House Thrift Stores, Cafe M25, Car Wash and Detailing Center, and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you part by Choice Social. It's a new refreshing social networking platform. Hope you check it out at choicesocial.us at the website, choicesocial.us. Coming up, we're going to visit with Dr. Bob McClure. He is the president of the James Madison Institute. Right now we have with us Keith Flaw. Keith is the co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. Keith, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, Bob. How are you? Good, Keith. Hey, we saw you on Monday at the uh, school board meeting here in Collier County. Here, holding your own and insisting on making your point of view. Uh, how'd the meeting go? Well, it was, uh, for your listeners, it was about the textbook adoption process. Um, the Collier County School Board is uh, uh, trying to adopt uh, textbooks, uh, English language arts textbooks, uh, 
about six million dollars worth of them that are full of critical race theory. Mm. And uh, we forced a hearing, um, and that's a long process that we probably don't have time to get into this morning. Uh, but three of us objected uh, to the materials. Um, the issue were uh, the result of that was uh, they they decided to vote uh, to delay that uh, adoption for until the fourteenth. Uh -huh. at 9 a.m. Unfortunately, they're going to adopt the books. If you listen to what all of those uh, five school board members individually said, they all believe there's no critical race theory in the books. And what they keep looking for is the three words, which the left is smart enough not to do that. And what they're missing is all of the uh, euphemisms or the code words that the left uses. So things like equity versus equality and mm -hmm. social emotional learning and social justice, uh, those are all in textbooks starting in kindergarten, mm -hmm. believe it or not. Why would, you, why would we be teaching our kids to, 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 in everything they learn to view the world through a, 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 a racial prism? It just makes no sense. Yeah. Uh, but they're they're choosing to. Uh, they claim that those words, uh, while they may have been co-opted outside of Collier County, they're not co-opted inside Collier County. And so, uh, all five of them said they don't believe there's any critical race theory. They reiterated that um, Tuesday night in the school board meeting. So they're going to vote on Monday to adopt these books. And what they're doing, um, and I call it a kabuki dance. Uh, what they're doing is they're protecting uh, Jen Mitchell. Um, what well, has to, you know, it, it, and I think your listeners, many of them probably know who Alfie Oaks is. Alfie has declared he's going to put fund whatever it takes to get rid of the three of those school board members up for election in 2022. Good for him. He isn't he terrific. <laughs> yeah, he really is. Well, I watched. I, I saw you. I saw a video clip of you in making your objection, but also Alfie was going to. They said, "Mr. Oaks, you can't speak anymore." <laughs> He yeah. just, he plowed on. He wasn't going to take any of They kicked him out. They actually <laughs> escorted him out of the room. Um, uh, he's but great. The, the, the point that uh, that I'm on is um, uh, Camille Patton, the, the superintendent, knows she has to, uh, she has uh, two school board members and Eric Carter and Lucarelli uh, that that's, I have always voted the way she wants. Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll leave it at that. Yeah, uh, she cannot afford to lose a third uh, school board member, and if she loses all three of those uh, up for election in 2022, uh, she loses control her, her control over the uh, over the school district, which personally I think is terrific. But she's smart enough to know that she has to keep at least one of those uh, elected, and I believe the calculation is that they think Jen Mitchell has the. Uh, the best opportunity to convince local Republicans that she really has been fighting the good fight against critical race theory. And so I really think that's what this is all about. Yeah. Uh, watch on, uh, uh, and we're going to continue to fight it, make no mistake. But uh, they are, uh, I, I, I projected on Monday they'll vote, they'll vote to adopt these books. And uh, Jen will be able to say, hey, I fought the good fight. I, yeah. I'm a good you know, so I think that's what this is all about. Uh, so, so thanks for that clarification and insight. You know, frankly, uh, though there there is some good news in this. In other words, the governor's basically said it, it will be against the law to teach critical race theory in in uh, in uh, Florida schools. So, right. and uh, anybody who does that can lose their job. I understand. So, uh, what yeah. they they have Excellent. to have. Go ahead. Actually, what they're doing, Bob, is they're passing, and it's today at the state board of education is passing a rule. 
that says you, uh, you have to teach faithfully and accurately uh, our history. And, and it doesn't mention critical race theory, but it says that the t school teacher cannot indoctrinate and, and infuse into the classroom their own personal views. And the, the, uh, the understanding there and the discussions with Commissioner Corcoran, uh, that's going to allow him and the governor to, you know, to play whack-a-mole with the school district to mm -hmm. folks who use it. Um, and, and I think it's clearly a step in the right direction. We've been actively supporting it. Uh, but we've also in, been encouraging the Department of Education to put in place a whistleblower program directly to the Department of Education. Right now in Collier County, if you're a whistleblower, guess who you whistleblow to? The, the uh, school board superintendent. <laughs> exactly. And, 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 and you know, uh, with today's world of, uh, of um, one-year contracts, um, a right-to-work state, uh, if she doesn't like what you're doing, she just doesn't renew your contract. So she she holds an enormous sway over um, you know teachers and administrators. So unless there's a uh, a whistleblower program where where teachers and parents can speak up directly to the Department of Education, um, I, I, I'm, I'm suspicious. I hate to be cynical, but I'm suspicious that the governor will get to play the whack-a-mo. He's, he's well, you know, your suspicions are well founded. We know that we live in a, a very conservative enclave here in Collier County. How we ended up with such a liberal superintendent of schools and school board, I have no idea. Well, I do have an idea. It's pretty <laughs> yeah. well, it's, it's called it's called money, Bob. Yeah, it's exactly, money. <laughs> exactly. But uh, nevertheless, you're fighting the good fight, Keith, and I just genuinely appreciate your efforts here. Your organization is about eight or nine years old. And you've accomplished great things. I encourage our listeners to support your efforts and uh, go to goflca.com. Goflca.com is the website. Check it out. It's worth uh, it's worth looking at. A lot of good information for parents, and uh, we got all of us need to be involved. Uh, we spend a billion dollars a year in taxes to s support this effort, and uh, we don't get a lot out of it, quite frankly. Well, we'd love to have the people show up and support what we're what we're fighting on the, the 14th at 9 a.m. at the Martin Luther King, uh, and of course, of course, anybody can contact me for more detail off our website. So, All right. thank you, Bob. Thank you too, Keith. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with uh, Dr. Bob McClure. He is the president of the James Madison Institute. That and more, right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Luke Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining to choice are the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. 
Golfshore Playhouse is passionately committed to enriching our cultural landscape by producing professional theater to the highest artistic standards and providing unique educational opportunities to folks in a spirit of service, adventure, and excitement. Over the past 15 years, the Playhouse has expanded immensely, outgrowing its current facilities. With dreams of expanding even further in order to better serve the community, broaden the economic impact, and strengthen the cultural fabric of our region, it's time to build and move into a new home. A 44,000-square-foot state-of-the-art theater and education center will be built on three acres at the corner of First Avenue South and Goodlett Frank Road, allowing Gulf Shore Playhouse to achieve those dreams. To find out more about Gulf Shore Playhouse, this state-of-the-art performing arts center, and about the season's exciting productions, visit golfshoreplayhouse.org. That's golfshoreplayhouse.org. We'll see you at the show. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. They also have a great uh, voter integrity program. I hope you'll I serve on the board, full disclosure, and very proud of it. I hope you check out the website, thefga.org. Well, as it happens on... Uh, <clears throat> live programming like this so there's a little confusion on the schedule so dr mcclure did not answer so uh nevertheless he had a lot of things i, w I was interested in finding out about we're going to talk about what the successes of this last florida legislative session uh and it concluded on april the 30th there's been a major expansion of school choice we've talked about that with keith flaw several times so that's a, a big uh success parody on or online sales resulting in net tax reduction. I wanted to find out about that. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, an annual survey to assess the influence of cancel culture at state universities. There have been reforms in licensing laws that will aid small businesses, liability protection for frivolous litigation against the pandemic, and reforms to our property insurance regulations that will aid homeowners. I received a notice uh, from uh, my insurance agent that said that it's likely that rates will go up in Florida. So I wanted to find out a little bit more about that. So uh, Governor DeSantis continues to sign bills. I think he's somewhat of a rock star. And uh, I also wanted to check on this cruise, uh, cruise business uh, that basically says that, look, if you in fact uh, ask somebody for a vaccine passport or information on their vaccine, According to Governor DeSantis and the law, you will be charged $5,000 per passenger. Can you imagine that? Just multiply 5,000 times a couple of thousand. It seems to me a lot of uh, uh, cruise operations will back off on that and that requirement. I also wonder if perhaps this uh, li liability protection uh, will extend to cruise ships. Interesting questions. Anyhow, uh, hopefully we'll get uh, James Madison Institute, by the way, it's a great state think tank, conservative think tank. It's my go-to place to get information that's happening here in the state when I'm you know, not knowledgeable or don't have other contacts. So uh, U.S. job openings uh, rose in April to fresh record high, along with the number of people who voluntarily left their jobs. This was, this was a surprise to me. Underscoring fervent labor demand and turnover as business emerged from pandemic-related restrictions and the economy strengthens. The number of positions available climbed to 9.3 million during the month, the highest on data back to 2000 from an upwardly revised 8.3 million in March. 
The Labor Department's Job Openings and Labor Turnover Survey, or JOLTS, uh, showed on Tuesday. The increase in vac- uh, vaccines, or vacancy, I should say, was very broad. The number of people who voluntarily left their jobs increased to 4 million in April. Can you imagine that? 4 million people saying, you know what, I think I can do better. I'm going to go out and find another job. And while the quits rate rose to a serious uh, high, high at 2.7%, the figure suggests workers are growing more confident in their ability to find other employment. And while companies are hiring at it as the economy reopens, child care obligations, lingering health concerns, skills mismatches, and enhanced unemployment benefits have kept some Americans from returning to the labor force. The number of vacancies exceeded hires by 3.2 million in April, the biggest gap on record. That's amazing. Hires, of course, what's the elephant in the uh, the gorilla on the table here is, is the extra $300 a week in unemployment benefits <clears throat> that are being paid out uh, probably, I think it's through September. So once that goes away, perhaps this job gap will be fixed. But hiring challenges have been so acute in recent months that half of all U.S. states have announced plans to phase out federal unemployment insurance programs early in an effort to encourage people to look for work. Meanwhile, employers have been offering bonuses, raising wages, and adding benefits like health insurance to attract workers. The latest jobs report from the Labor Department showed payrolls increased by 559,000 in May after 278,000 gain in April, which suggests hiring efforts started by paying off last month. Still, the payrolls figure came in below estimates and leaves the labor market 7.6 million jobs short of pre-pandemic levels. Let me repeat that. 7.6 million jobs short of pre-pandemic levels. That's a lot of employees, 7.6 million. A broader labor market recovery will require a faster pace of hiring in leisure and hospitality industry, which was hardest hit by pandemic uh, lockdowns. Accommodation and food services jobs openings jumped 349,000 in April, while hiring rose 232,000. Manufacturing vacancies climbed by 102,000. A separate report Tuesday from the National Federation of Independent Business showed that small business optimism eased in May for the first time in four months as firms grappled with a lack of labor and higher prices. Uh, The National NFIB uh, uh, said last week that small business owners had a record share of unfilled positions in May. So uh, that's, uh, it's, quite frankly, it's, uh, it's, it's puzzling. But you can understand if people feel like, hey, I can make more money by staying home than I can by going to work or looking for a job. I think I'll just stay home for now. Unfortunately, I'm sure that's how some people are thinking about it. Uh, actually, they should seize the opportunity right now to find the job that they want and uh, not worry about the extra income, getting your foot in the door. Getting some traction in the job market, I think, is more important than a few hundred bucks that you might get between now and September. Just my thoughts. Well, hopes for a big infrastructure investment are teetering, and ambitious elections and voting bill is still all but dead. Legislation on policy, uh, on police brutality, gun control, and immigration has all stalled out. Nearly six months of Democrat control in Washington, the party's progressive wing is growing increasingly restless as campaign promises go undone, blocked not only by Republican unity, but also by Democrats' own inability to unite around priorities. The time ahead is pivotal for President Joe Biden and his allies in Congress to seize what some view 
as a transformative moment to rebuild the economy and reshape the country. Quite frankly, I don't like the way he wants to reshape the country. It's uh, kind of appalling, actually, and I'm happy his agenda is stalling out the way that it is, and I think he's losing popularity and interest in what he's doing. There's a lot of anxiety, said Representative Ro Khanna, a Democrat from California who's been called been a co-chair of Bernie Sanders' presidential bid. It's a question, really, for President Biden. What kind of president does he want to be? You know, I'm not so sure that it's totally up to him right now. With Joe Manchin, uh, uh, Senator Joe Manchin, standing his ground, and believe me, he's under a ton of pressure, uh, but uh, if with regard to the filibuster... And with regard to this jobs bill and the in the uh, voting bill, uh, he, you know that's just so critical right now. That's a real wrench in the works, and so grateful that he's taking the stand. The summer work period is traditionally among the busiest for Congress, but especially sharpened this year by as Democrats strain to deliver on a Biden's agenda. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer warned colleagues that June will test our resolve. Infrastructure talks are dragging. In fact, uh, they're kind of over. Though Biden is expected to talk uh, some more with Shelley Moore Capito, the uh, senator, uh, and lead Republican on in negotiations, but the limits of bipartisanship in a 50-50 Senate are increasingly clear. The party had suffered a debilitating blow over the weekend when Senator Joe Manchin, as I mentioned, announced his opposition to the voting bill, which is great. So <clears throat> things are moving in the right direction, and by that I mean. Nothing can get done in, in Congress right now, and that's a good thing. Our founders were so smart to not allow uh, the tyranny of the majority to rule us. Instead, we have uh, by, uh, you know, bicameral commerce, so we have a House of Representatives and a Senate, and we have the President of the United States, each having some power, and no nobody can accomplish something on their own. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Seton Motley. Seton is the founder and president of Less Government. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. You 
listen to The Bob Harden Show, so why not market your company to our loyal listeners? Ads are played live on each show and then archived so listeners can hear the show and your ad at their convenience. Each advertising package includes a banner on BobHarden.com with a link to your website at no extra charge. Join Lulabee's Diner, Johnson's Air Conditioning, Blue Provence, and many others who advertise on the show. Call me at 598-3889, that's 598-3889, or send an email to BobHarden at Hotmail.com to design an ad program that's just right for your business and your budget. You'll be pleasantly surprised at the cost and the value. Several advertisers have been with me for years. Find out why by calling 598-389 or send me an email to bobharden at hotmail.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, we're going to visit with former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Right now we have with us Seton Motley. Seton is the founder and president of a terrific organization. It's called Less Government. Seton, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Seton. Tell us about Less Government. I'd love to. We're not getting any. Uh, no, we, we exist to reduce the size, scope, and sphere of influence of the government everywhere it is. Yeah, and uh, it just continues growing, and it's it just it grows and grows and grows. <laughs> hey, Seton, you wrote a great column about uh, America Biden's Made in America tax plan. Before we discuss that, though, I always look forward to your comments on, you know, uh, Kamala Harris went down to Guatemala. <laughs> And what a bomb that was. Well, first of all, I love the fact that there's, you know, I just read this morning in some stupid politico, pathetico thing, where they said Trump needs to have a constant feedback loop of positive, and that's why he's hanging out in Mar-a-Lago, because that's the only place he can get positive, and then he's going to hold rallies because he wants the positive adulation. And I'm sitting there thinking, he could just go to Guatemala, (laughs) because all the protesters down there, when Kamala shows up, Trump won, go home, you know. I mean, there's, there's, he's got Guatemalan support from not just the people, but the president. The president basically told Kamala Harris her whole thing is idiotic and what, he, what Trump was doing was working and why are you stopping all this? And, and um, you know, and, and she's, you know, what? We didn't learn from 20 years of failed nation building in Afghanistan. We're now going to nation build in Guatemala. Yeah. Two. I mean, none of this makes any sense. You know, she, she still has, she's in charge of the border, still hasn't visited the border. Um, it's just, it's a complete, it's, look, what they're doing is intentional. It looks incompetent. Right. And it's, it may be, the implementation may be incompetent, but what they're doing is intentional. Right. This is to fundamentally undermine everything American um, as quickly as possible. Right. I mean, if you're going to, you know, they, 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 the oil company just announced they're giving up on the Keystone Pipeline. They're yeah. tired of being jerked around by the government, and they're not going to do it. And meanwhile, with Biden stopping that, he's approving... A, the, the Russian pipeline into Germany. Yeah. Now, excuse me, how is that any, in any way beneficial to the United States of America? Right. And, of course, the answer is none of it is. Yeah. So it's just, uh, did you see the Lester Holt interview of uh, Kamala? Yeah. I mean, she, she, he, he accidentally <clears throat> swerved into a decent question. 
and it caught her so off guard and by surprise, she she couldn't even fumble through a decent answer. No, I mean, apparently the outcome of all of this is they want to give her some media training. <laughs> She's vice president. They're going to give her media training. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Uh, you know, this is... This is, once again, reminding us this is the remedial administration. It really is. So uh, tell us that you said Biden's Made in America tax plan destroys any incentive for anything to be made in America. Maybe you could tell us about it. Yeah, I I don't have it in front of me, and we're in acronym land here, and we're talking about two specific tax code things. (laughs) One is the FDII, and one is guilty. And, And what they have to do with is money made overseas, by American companies, uh, a lot of that money made on intellectual property, uh-huh. patented materials, trademark materials, copyrighted materials, that sort of thing. Now, the FDII tax exists or existed in the Trump tax plan to offset the guilty tax, to minimize the impact of the guilty tax. And the guilty tax was pretty well minimized, too. The rate was 10.5%. You got, the, 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 you got charged you get a tax rate here in the U.S. predicated upon the tax rate in the country you were making the money in. Uh-huh. And what Trump allowed you to do was aggregate. If there were high-tax countries and low-tax countries, which, of course, they are, you could average it out to, to further minimize your tax liability here in the United States. Hmm. And only 10% of the money you made overseas was taxable. The other 90% was not. And even though, even with those circumstances, under guilty, FDI existed to cap everything at thirteen point five percent. So you wouldn't pay more than that. That would be the most you pay. Well, and I'm probably explaining some of this wrong because we're talking tax code minutia. Right. But that's basically the point. Was Trump in the 2017 tax law was minimizing getting some money from overseas income, but minimizing. Right. And the point of this was, if you, he wants to keep creators of intellectual property and creators of everything, manufacturers, everything, here right. by not taxing them too much to be here. Right. That's the point of all this, is if you tax them too much for what they make overseas, China will be, you know, if you tax them too much for what they make in China, China will be very happy to welcome them there, and thereby they duck the taxes we're discussing here in the United States. So the point is, keep them low so they're not unattractive, so unattractive that people will leave the country. Well, Biden names his tax plan, the Made in America tax plan. What does he do? Well, he he massively increases the guilty tax in three ways. He ups the rate from 10.5% to 21%. That's double the rate. Yeah. He gets rid of your advantage of averaging low and high tax countries. So you have to pay per country, every country. It's called country by country, which dramatically increases the taxes you'll be paying. And 10% of your income isn't uh, applicable. All 100% is. Uh. Now, the lower guilty caused Trump to have the FDII tax incentive, right? Yep. Well, well He's Biden's massively increased guilty in three ways, and he's going to eliminate the FDII tax incentive completely. So, you know, maybe the objective is to get all businesses out of the United States 
can't have them. And by yeah, the that, that, you either have to be intentionally doing it, or you're just doing it unintentionally. Right. Yeah. So, uh, what do you think? But of it's this? the Made in America tax plan. Yeah. Bob. Yeah, I know. So, what do you, what do you think of this uh, universal tax, this uh, corporate tax that's being proposed? Uh, again, this is this is uh, Biden throwing America under the bus again. Yeah. You know, we you know again with the 2017 tax thing, Trump lowered the corporate tax rate to 13 percent, I believe, because that puts us lower. Because we were one, we were one of either the highest yep. or one of the top three yep. highest taxes, corporate tax rates in the country. He lowers it, and lo and behold, jobs start pouring back into the country. Yeah, and Biden wants to ruin the ability of the United States to compete in the income, in the corporate tax rate sphere by going international and putting in a, an international floor. Everybody has to charge X. And unfortunately, all the big countries charge more than X. Yeah. And it's the little countries that, that set up tax havens, like Ireland, has a has a low corporate income tax rate, and it's done it's done them very good very well over the last Twenty or so years, yeah. Because co- companies have relocated there because they're paying less tax. Uh, Bahamas, I think, or Barbados, somewhere. Um, but there's little countries that do this. Well, the little countries in a in a lobby fest against the big countries charging more, they're not going to win, you know. And the big countries can put pressure on them to cave right. and, and agree to this global tax. Now that being said. I don't think they can get enough votes to actually do this. And I'm hoping, I don't know the exact international procedure. I would hope that it has to at least get, like, Senate approval. I would think it and would be a treaty of some sort. With a, with a two-thirds vote. Yeah. And I don't think they're going to get two-thirds vote in the yeah, Senate. Yeah. It's just a bad idea. No, uh, it's a terrible idea. Yeah, the, <laughs> the whole idea is we want to make our taxes more competitive so we can have more businesses coming here. But why, right. do we, what, why would we want to level the playing field? We want well, to this, be the best. This, this gets us back to what Trump said was, I hate multilateral trade deals because it diffuses <laughs> our ability to negotiate. Right. Because yeah. you know, if you're in a nine-country trade deal, all eight countries can gang up on the United States. Yeah. So you go one-on-one, and that maximizes our leverage as the number one economy in the world, and you get a better deal. Yeah. Likewise, why would you? Why would you sit there? You know, it's it's amazing. I heard I heard this on on CNBC yesterday. If banks got together and colluded on interest rates like this, they'd all be in prison. Right. Unbelievable. But the countries can get together and collude on tax rates, and it's perfectly fine. Yeah. One-way ticket to globalism. Seat Motley, again, the founder and president of Less Government. I encourage you to visit lessgovernment.org. You can also visit Less Government on Facebook. Uh, you can find Seaton's columns, too, on uh, Red State. Seaton, I always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Have a great day, sir. Thank you. You as well. Thank you, Seaton. I learned a lot in that discussion. Did a lot I didn't know. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with uh, Naples' former mayor, Bill Barnett. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs> Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
The dining scene in Naples is among the nation's finest. Get a first-hand experience with Naples Culinary Walks. Join a guided food walk with a terrific guide in a small group through elegant Naples neighborhoods known for destination restaurants. In three hours, you'll stop for small plates on your chosen tour. Dining walk choices include morning, afternoon, and evening offerings on 5th Avenue South, downtown 3rd Street, Waterside, Galleria Shops at Vanderbilt, and more. Prices begin at only $46 a person, depending on the tour you select. To find out more and to make a reservation, visit NaplesCulinaryWalks.com. That's NaplesCulinaryWalks.com for a great value and a terrific dining experience. Do you have an extra auto you'd like to donate to charity? Maximize your tax deduction, support your favorite charity, and help a local child in need by calling Naples Auto Donation Center. Naples Auto Donation Center is a not-for-profit licensed car dealer. Just call NADC at 692-9840 and they'll take it from there. You get a properly documented tax deduction for whatever the vehicle actually sells for. Your designated beneficiary charity gets half the profit after fix-up costs and the net revenue generated by NADC goes to Friends of Foster Children to provide tutoring and other enrichment activities for foster children the government doesn't provide. And NADC is also one of the few places in Collier County that sells inexpensive cars that actually run to folks who would otherwise not be able to afford one. It's a real win-win. Call Naples Auto Donation Center at 692-9840 or visit the website nadckids.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thank you so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best and uh, building a new performing arts center in downtown Naples. Going to be breaking ground, I think, maybe in September. In any event, you can find out more by visiting golfshoreplayhouse.org. We have with us the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Bill, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, Bob, it's, um, it's my pleasure, as always, <clears throat> on this beautiful Naples uh, Thursday morning. It's a fabulous uh, morning here in Naples, Bill, and uh, boy, a heat wave going across the country. I, I, I saw that uh, Naples was one of the coolest places in the nation <laughs> about yeah. a few days ago. Yeah, kind of wonder. I mean, but we saw, you know, Burlington, Vermont, 96, uh, you know, Places like that that we're so we used to it that that's really setting records. It really is. So, uh, Bill, uh, we're doing the continuing saga of our mayor, uh, <laughs> Teresa Heitman. Uh, so, uh, any good scoop? What's going on? Well, she um, she they, she set a special meeting for um, for tomorrow. Uh, actually, it was supposed to be for for today. And uh, unfortunately, somebody forgot to notice it properly. In other words, you have to have X hours before so that at least the public or people know um, <clears throat> that they're having the meeting. And um, whether it was the city attorney or not who had to do the apologizing that somebody missed it, um, they had to cancel the meeting because it wasn't noticed properly. Hmm. So <clears throat> the saga continues. And um, so now she said in a memo yesterday that she wants to schedule <clears throat> another meeting. Now, remember, they go on vacation, Bob. Um, on the 16th is their last meeting day. And um, so she said, <clears throat> excuse me, she wants to set another meeting for the 17th. Mm -hmm. um, 
Well, they're on vacation. <clears throat> Excuse me. Certainly. So uh, I don't know what they're going to do. Yeah. So interesting. <clears throat> uh, so have you gotten any feedback on? Uh, I know that you filed a complaint with the uh, with the uh, ethics commission in uh, Collier <clears throat> County, or rather in well, Naples. Well, the um, um, I, I haven't gotten anything back because the. Hold on, Bob, one second. Sure. <clears throat> Don't know why I got a frog in my throat. But anyway, um, maybe it's because I'm nervous talking to you. <laughs> yes. I'm sure that's think it. So? I don't think that's it, Bill. <laughs> it's, it's just... No, I don't, I don't think so either, Bob. Yeah. Um, anyway, <clears throat> the, the ethics committee, our ethics, the local ethics commission, has a meeting on the 25th. And... Um, they got to put their procedures in place. So they, they have a couple of things to do before they're fully ready to take ethics complaints. But mine is there. They have it. Yeah. And um, so it'll just be, you know, it'll be a matter of a little bit of time till they're, till they're ready to go. And, and city council is fighting them uh, regarding um, uh, th their approval of the, um, of the amendments um that that were done already and approved but they have to do a final approval on them and they're saying well why don't we just wait until august when we're back from vacation and so you know i mean i i understand that because um obviously the mayor does you know does not want that heard so instead of her saying yeah let's give it to the local um ethics commission she started to say that and then voted against it yeah so um we're just waiting. We're in a kind of a time warp here, but you know, we'll, we'll move along. Absolutely. Um, and, uh, other than that, um, the, um, uh, the, there's some strange letters going around, uh, um, that, uh, uh, from some woman who, who claims to have been a nurse somewhere in, in the Naples area and is saying just all kinds of weird things. I'll uh, have to, have to get it on the air next week and read you a piece of it but it's just it's ballistic um and uh, and other than that everything is quiet yeah <laughs> well you know uh restaurants are booming my goodness and, and uh, the people i'm talking to that own restaurants are having difficulty filling slots i mean uh i talked to one waiter he said that you know what bob i I usually wait. I think they, he used a number like five or six tables. I, right. I, I had to wait. I had uh, 10 or 11 uh, the other night. I mean, I came home, was so exhausted, I could hardly keep my eyes open. But point being is that they're having trouble, people have, having trouble filling these slots. I think it probably has something to do with this national process of uh, allowing people to stay at home because they make more instead of working because of unemployment well, insurance. Yeah, I um. I know that there's, uh, you know, with the staff shortage, all the college kids, they're doing great. Yep. I mean, I, I have a granddaughter working at Bonefish, and boy, she's just, <laughs> she's loving the money. Yeah, that's great. Well, you know, and it's nice to see young people have a chance to work, too. So that, that, that's, that's good, uh, especially uh, having temporary work, uh, because I'm sure she's going back to school in the, in the fall. Right, exactly, <clears throat> exactly. So, you know, um, uh, but, but there's a lot of work out there if someone wants to go do it. It's true. And I was just mentioning on the show earlier, if I were in the work, if I wanted a job, I would be looking now. Forget the few extra $100 you might make it between now and September. Right. Find something, get some traction, and become part of an organization and start making a contribution. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I definitely agree to that. Um, it's, um, yeah, but I mean, you can certainly tell seasons over as far as the traffic and everything goes, but the other night we went to, um, we were in Swan river and, uh, they were, I mean, there were a lot of people in there. Yeah. So, so, you know, um, and yet I hear some restaurants and some people say, Oh no, we walked right in and, uh, there was no problem whatsoever. So, well, you know, Linda and I are early diners. We typically have a 530 uh, reservation. Right, so, right. Yeah, even in the busiest of, of season, at times in the season, most people want to dine at 630 or so. And so right. we're able to right. get in before right. the rush. So uh, never a problem for us. No, well, of course not. But that's a good time to eat for sure. Yeah, yeah we've kind of switched back to a little early, you know, to earlier too, to like 6 o'clock thereabouts. But um well, before we uh, head out, which will be the end of July, we're, we're going to have to do Blue Provence with you guys one night. It would be fantastic, Bill. We'd love to. We were there last night, and uh, what a fabulous place. I never get tired. I never tire about Blue Provence. It's always a, a special feeling, a special special food. Yeah, that is for sure. So, And and your back is healing up well, so you'd be ready to hit some golf balls one of these days soon? Well, you know what? Uh, I got full clearance for any kind of physical activity. So, wow. So, uh, in fact, uh, a couple days ago, I hit 60 golf balls. And, it hit uh, two. Going and over you today. Counted, you counted them, right? Yeah. 60. It wasn't 59 and it no. wasn't 61. <laughs> it was 60 golf balls. I was kind of anal that way, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> Well, good for you, Bob. How does it feel? Uh, it feels great. Uh, although my, you know, ball doesn't go where I want it to go, but it's a, a pleasure well, to be out there uh, hitting the ball again. So, well, I can leave you on this note. Did it ever? No, <laughs> it didn't. <laughs> At least not to my recollection. Bill, you know, I always appreciate your commentary in the show, and it's nice to see the season winding down. So, thank you so much for joining us. Well, my pleasure, Bob, and I uh, look forward to talking to you next week. Have a good, have a good one. Bye. You as well. Thank you. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, tomorrow we've got some great guests, including William Yateman. He's a research fellow at the Cato Institute. We'll talk about current events. Uh, Michael Cannon is director of health studies at the Cato Institute. We'll be visiting with, uh, with Michael. Uh, and uh, Dave Beagle, the author of The Devil at Our Doorstep, will be joining us as well. Uh, I always appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com. If you'd like to get on the distribution list for my newsletter that I send out after each show, again, bobharden at hotmail.com. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com. <laughs>